It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here this week for our May Checks discussion group call here at Tactical Sovereignty. This beautiful Sunday, uh, beginning of June 2018. I'm um, going to be covering some information this evening uh, regarding trust. And it's something a lot of people have heard about but don't really know a lot about. I think more and more people, though, are starting to get more clued in as to what they are, what they're used for, and essentially, the more you research it and the more you learn, you're going to find that everything that is running around us today is running in trust of one form or another. Um, our guest tonight is uh, Robert, and and I was talking to him last Sunday, and I was discussing this with him, and I said, you know, I was looking into... Um, doing some research on things here in my local area, Southwest Florida. And people always complain. They're like, you know, we've got this one single road. Why does it go by three different names? You know, it's commonly known as US 41. And in town, it's Cleveland Avenue. Then another part, it's Tamiami Trail. And then you've got South Tamiami Trail. You've got North Tamiami. What's all these names for one road? Why can't they just use one name? And, I stumbled on this when I was looking through some uh, paperwork here in the county, and that was the name of the road wasn't the name of the road. The name of the road was the name of a trust. And all of a sudden, a kind of light bulb came on. And I said, oh, crap. I said, you know, if they wanted to get money to redo a road, they could probably get a lot more money if they put in four requests because of the four different names than just one common name. And that, that also gives them a layer of protection as well regarding that roadway. But anyway, um, we're going to have Robert come on. I'm going to turn things over to him and uh, kind of explain his plans and his ideas as how to help everybody else out as far as learning about trust, getting their trust established, and the actual benefits of it. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Good, Brian. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I hope to offer information tonight, um, you know, especially with regards to trust, because I was just like everybody else. I had no idea what trusts were. Um, I should probably give a little background so people understand that uh, where I'm coming from. Um, definitely not a newbie to any of the uh, what I call the freedom group type stuff. I've uh, been around in it for about 10 years now. Um, I've done some pretty heavy-hitting stuff. Um, I, I definitely am not a newbie. I'm seasoned. I've been through all the commercial stuff. I've seen all the UCC stuff. I, I, trust me, there's not much I haven't turned over, seen, done, or, or been involved with people that have done it to the nth degree, all the way up to postmaster generals, all that stuff, um, but up to the Vatican, the whole bit. So I, I get it. Um, and what came to me was this, you know, trust. 
right? Kept coming back, trust, trust, trust. Well, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm 42 now. Um, I, for years, I started as a carpenter when I was 13 with my father, dropped out of high school, studied all on my own, uh, learned a lot, of, just about everything on my own. I was a contractor, you know, and when I was contracting, I would deal with, with people um, that would be, you know, I'd hear the term, oh, that, that guy's a trust fund baby. And I'd be like, what the hell is a trust fund baby? What is a tr- I don't understand this word trust. I don't get it. Like, but back then I wasn't even interested because I was still living in the whole illusion that, you know, green notes or money and all that stuff. Uh, so here I come, you know, almost 10 years later, uh, been through a lot, was arrested, you know, or at least they tried to charge me and failed. Um, for me doing my thing and exposing the truth, so to speak. Um, I'm not in the patriot for profit, although I do also offer help and documents and things like that. And yes, I charge a fee because that's my work. That's my time. Um, It's not what some of these other patriot for profits are doing. And it's also, I don't ever claim to have a remedy. So I want everybody listening to this to know I'm not claiming any remedy. I will never claim to give you a remedy because quite honestly, remedies are bullshit. Okay. If someone's claiming to give you a remedy, I would steer clear. Um, Now that's not to say that you yourself are not the remedy because you are the remedy. We're going to get into that at least how I've chosen to become my own remedy. Um, But it all came back to trust, you know, and I started to realize, not started to, but even years ago, I realized that things were not taught in school. The, the two, three major things are, well, actually really two, is just finance and law, right? We're not taught those two things as, as a basic elementary education. Well, there's a reason for that. Obviously, now with us waking up and seeing how, they, how everything is run, uh, because if we did understand finance and law, we would be at the same level as the people high on the heap, and they don't want that because we can't have equality in their world. Okay, we have to have hierarchy. Um, And there is always an organizational hierarchy. I believe that fully with the universe. I'm also very spiritual. I get it. You know, there is a hierarchy. There's always a hierarchy. But it doesn't have to be a hierarchy of, you know, you serve me so I make out and you just stay a slave. You know, hierarchy is for organizational purposes so that everyone can benefit, in my opinion. Um, so when you start looking around, you get to the nuts and bolts. You've got the straw man. You've got the UCC, all this stuff. But really, the most powerful thing I've ever used that has stopped just about everybody, courts, IRS, you name it, dead in their tracks, is trust every single time. You know, right to travel, trust. Boom, stopped them dead in their tracks, got everything back. Car, fake ID, fake plates that they were trying to charge us with, everything. Got it all back. You know, IRS coming after a guy, put a warrant out on him, boom, hit him with my, you know, angle of how I used the trust, and boom, they dropped everything, told him, have a nice day, we don't ever want to talk to you again. You know, it's all about trust, but not just any trust. It's got to be, there has to be specific um, elements to a trust. So first off, what is a trust? For people that are new, what is a trust, right? Well, we think there's this set the key trust. For everybody that's listening, I really disagree with a lot of information put out in freedom groups and what I call patriot mythology because it's it's filled, filled, filled with disinformation. My God, I've been down so many rabbit trails. 
it's amazing, but I've always observed what's working, what is most powerful in each aspect of law. So if I'm looking at commercial law, what is it? If I'm looking at constitutional law, what is it? If I'm looking at statutory law, what is it? You know, if I'm looking at um, probate law, what is, you know, what is powerful? What is working? How do these pieces fit together? And damn, it always boils down to trust. So you have the basics of a trust. Um, Number one, a trust can be constructive, which isn't really a trust at all until it arises by operation of law. So most constructive trusts are implied. They're not written. All right. Assess the key. Let's get back to that. Assess the key just simply means a beneficiary. So just about every trust is assess the key trust. And I've argued and continue to argue and stand firm that there is no assess the key trust created at birth. That is a myth. It's, it's garbage. It is a bailment. It is property given in trust, not creating a trust, in trust over to the state, which then creates trusts like the Social Security account, Treasury account, all that gets created after they have the property. And you can see that in how the elite use their trust. It's the same model. Okay, so they take that property. Then they create what people call the Sestake trust. Okay, because any trust after that is a Sestake because there's a beneficiary. So it's all set the key after that. But primarily, at first, property is given over to the state, held in trust, what's called a bailment, which means you can pick that property back up, right? It's like a bailment is like um, when you go and you take your clothes to the cleaners. You know, you drop your clothes off in bailment. Here, go ahead. You take these. You make them better. I'm going to give you money for that or whatever we call money today, right? Notes. I'm going to give you something in return for you holding this property in trust and making it better, and I'm going to come pick it up. Now, if I don't pick this up and I get a receipt for that, right, I get which basically title. Here's your receipt. That's the title to the property. That's all title means, guys. Let's make this real simple. Title simply means a receipt. That's all it is. It's showing that you're the owner of the property. So you leave your clothes there. They make it better. They give it back to you. You trusted them that they're going to do what they have to do. That's not a trust. A bailment is not a trust. It is a, it, it, well, it's a bailment. It is held in trust, but it's not a trust. So now you have a trust. A trust is basically simple. A trust is, hey, Brian, I'm going to give you this car. You're going to hold this car for my son, and I need you to enhance the car, make sure it runs good, you know, but you can't use it for your personal use. However, you can expand on this car. You can put new tires on it. You can have it painted. You can do all this stuff to it to enhance it, to, give to, to let my son use when my son is of age to handle that. Okay, so here's the terms and conditions. Here's the purpose. Here's the intent of it. We're the parties. The property is the car. That creates a trust, whether it's written, which means expressed, or whether it's just spoken, implied. Okay, so now I've given Brian because he's holding that for the benefit of another. He's not holding it to give back to me when I want it. So it's not held in trust. It's held in a trust. So there's a trust created to hold. There's, there's trust created to hold this property. All right, and I know that's a little bit of a fine line, but if you um, pick up Gilbert Law Summaries, Okay, you go right on Amazon, pick up, yeah, you can probably find a PDF copy of it. I think I have a PDF copy of it. Gilbert Law Summaries, Edward Hallback on Trust. Um, great, great book to study from. 
starts from the basics, goes into the complexities, you know, has questions at the end of each chapter, little quizzes. It's, it's a collegiate book, uh, but it's very good. It, it taught me a lot um, about the differences in trust, bailment, agency, so on and so forth. So you have a trust. Well, there are many, many types of trust. They have all different kinds of names that confuse the shit out of us, you know, because, again, the elite know all this, but we don't get to know it. So we got to weed through all this crap with all these different you know, names and hocus pocus. But the bottom line is you have, you really have two different kinds of trust. You have an irrevocable trust and you have a revocable trust. An irrevocable trust to me, I don't even want to mess with. I mean, they have their purpose, but for me, I, I don't want any parts of them because irrevocable trust, I can go in there and pull the, or I'm sorry, revocable trust, I can go in there and pull the property out whenever I want. I can also be the beneficiary and the trustee at the same time. That, to me, makes absolute no sense. Why? Because the whole idea of putting something in trust in today's world is so that you don't have any ownership of anything. No ownership, no liability. If you don't own it, you have no liability. Now, most trusts, when, you, when you're the grantor, the creator of a trust is called the grantor. Some trusts, it's called the creator. Some trust the trustor. There's different names. You grant property into a trust, okay, you're splitting the title. So you're ripping that receipt in half and you're going, here, you, trustee, hold on to this legal title. You have legal ownership of this car, Brian, for my son. But remember, I'm the real owner because I've got the other half of the receipt. So I am the equitable owner. So you're splitting the title between the legal title and you retain equitable title, which means you have no legal liability, the trustee does. But to me, that's not even good enough. That's a grantor trust. It's good enough for certain uh, assets, but see, I tied all this into my straw, man. I'll get into that in a, in a little bit as well. So what I did was I realized that there's a certain kind of trust out there that was created in Massachusetts, and most of you may have heard of it, some of you may not have, it's called the Common Law Trust, another name is a Massachusetts Trust or a Pure Trust. Those types of trusts are much different in the fact that they are irrevocable, meaning when you put property into them, you cannot take it out unless that trust terminates by the, according to the terms of the agreement that created the trust. So it's irrevocable. So revocable, I put property in, I can take property out, okay? Irrevocable, I put property in, I can't touch it. However, I can have beneficial use of it, you know, to a certain degree. Um, so, so I do have, while I don't have equity in it or equitable ownership, I should say, um, equitable title, I still, what happens in a, in, a, in a Massachusetts or common law trust is you get a certificate in exchange for giving full title over. So that certificate, kind of like a birth certificate, says, yes, you're the beneficiary slash creator, right? And I'm also a beneficiary as the creator. And you have an equitable interest in the property. You just don't have an equitable title to it, nor do you have legal title. Well, guess what that does for me? That means I'm a free man. I've got no legal obligation to that property or liability whatsoever. I'm free as a bird. However, I can use that property whenever I want because I'm the beneficiary. You know, but I cannot 
do anything with that property, make any legal decision. So in other words, somebody comes and sues the trust, they can't deal with me. They got to deal with the trustees. Okay, and now they can't attack the pro they can't injure me as a beneficiary either. And the trustees also do not have any personal liability, so they can't lose their homes, their cars, their personal property, which if they're smart trustees, they're gonna have a trust too, and I'm gonna be their trustee and they're gonna be the creator beneficiary, right? Just like the big boys do it. And now everything is completely protected. But why is it completely protected? in this type of quote unquote common law trust, you know, and I've seen patriots out there and freedom people try to write these trusts before. And every time I look at one and somebody presents me one, it's faulty. It's got fundamental flaws. You know, I deal only with a private business trust. All right. It's a common law trust, Massachusetts, pure trust, whatever you want to call it. What makes it that is a contract, okay? So before it's a trust, it's a contract. So in other words, I get together with the trustees and whomever else is going to be part of this trust, and we draw up a contract, and we say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create this trust, and here's how it's going to function, and here's everybody's duty. We agree to the contract. Now, because that's a contract and it's private between the parties, protected under Article One, Section Ten of the Federal Constitution. Now, people go, "Oh, well, they don't—they don't adhere to that anyway. They don't follow the Constitution." Well, they damn well do when you're in the right jurisdiction and when you assert that jurisdiction and you show them that they have no jurisdiction over in your yard. That's called being private and staying in private. Right? Now, you can go over into their yard in the public if you want, and that constitution doesn't apply to the United States citizens and so on and so forth because they're obviously citizens of another country. They're not citizens of the United States of America. They're citizens of another country. Actually, you're a dual citizen, but they go on your U.S. citizenship, which is, you know, you don't have any rights over there, obviously. We, most of us know that at this point. So now your trust also has jurisdictional standing for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a private contract. It's written in the state, not the state of. It's CITES or CITES. I'm not sure. Some people call it CITES, CITES. is in the republic that was originally formed. It's not in the democracy state of. Okay, so right there you've got a jurisdictional principle. That's first and foremost. So you're protected under Article 1, Section 10. One of, one of the other aspects of this trust is you, put, you immediately put 21 silver dollars into that trust. Why do you do that? Because anything over $20, according to that Constitution, okay, has to have a suit in common law, all right, with jury and the whole bit. Again, according to the Constitution, that's number one. Number two, it's now solvent because it's got real money in it. Okay, so anything it puts in there that's paper is backed by this 21 silver dollars, which takes it out of Federal Reserve jurisdiction, right? Because you got money. <laughs> you got $21 over these green bullshit notes that equal nothing, right? That's another aspect. Um, it also avoids taxes because this type of trust is recognized by the IRS not as an ordinary trust. 
okay? It's not an ordinary trust. It's also not a corporation, a partnership, an LLC. It's not, if you set it up correctly, it's not functioning as a partnership. But you've got to be careful because if it ever gets into a court's hands, which I highly recommend it doesn't happen, and I can tell you why this trust is also powerful in that regard. I'll get back to that in a second. Okay, but um, you also have to um, – damn, lost what I was saying. Sorry, guys. Um, let's get back to that real quick. So why is the trust uh, not – it's not that it's not susceptible to a court, but what makes it powerful in any sort of situation where the trust is getting sued? What makes it powerful is it's, number one, a private contract, and in that contract it specifically stipulates that no third parties are allowed to view the trust or its assets. Can't view it. All right, so if a court or the quote-unquote agencies of the law are trying to force you to show its books and records and all that, they're forcing you to break the law. So my reaction and response has always been, I don't know what to tell you, but if you force me to do this, you're forcing me to break the law. Now, as an agent of the state, are you going to bind the state to that? Yes or no? Let's talk, right? Now, if you want to see an abstract of the trust, I don't mind doing that. We're going to go in chambers and we're going to talk about this privately. We're not doing this on the public record or I'll be breaking the law. I'll be breaking, you'll, you'll put me in a breach of contract. You can't do that. So that's another very, very powerful and important part of the correctly drawn up common law or Massachusetts trust. These trusts do not get registered. Okay? There's also the whole 98 EIN bullshit going around in my opinion. You've got to have a 98 EIN. No, you do not. You don't have to have a foreign EIN. Because when you get an EIN, if you even want to get an EIN, which you're probably going to have to do if you're transacting business with these types of trusts, and I'm going to tie all this in in the end. I know I'm throwing a lot out there to everybody, but I specifically want to get people's heads wrapped around why this particular trust is so powerful and why the elite use them all the time and why they have used them since Patrick Henry and his buddies generated it and started to use it, Okay. So this type of, of trust also can get an EIN to do banking and transacting, but you don't need a foreign 98 EIN. Why? The IRS, for those of you that have been battling that for years, and you, know, you probably know this, the IRS only can come after you by you signing up and agreeing for them to come after you. So the day you fill out the 1041 form, that thing follows you to the grave unless you revoke it, right? The day, and, and it's not even so bad that the 1040 form or the 1041, if you're a business or a trust, um, it's not so bad with that as when you alert them with your return because your return is saying, hey, I self-assessed here. I'm going to donate this to you. Now come after me because I said I was going to give you a gift and now I'm, you know, now I'm saying I'm not going to give it to you and that's called tax evasion, right? Uh, we don't evade tax. We avoid it. And avoidance is perfectly lawful, perfectly legal. So why does it matter, not matter to have a 98 EIN? Okay. Which again, now granted, before I even go there, guys, I've studied, trust me, I've got my own set of American jurisprudence. I go to the law library. I'm not just talking a bunch of smoke I get off the internet. Like I research my shit 
and then I implement it. So everything I'm telling you is either from my research or my experience, it's, and I'm just trying to cut through to the straight and narrow so we can stop following all this bullshit crap on the Internet. Right? So the 98 isn't needed because if you follow the steps online, which is easiest, to get your EIN, you'll notice if you click the right stuff, of course, you've got to make sure everything's set up, you'll notice that when you get to the end, it says you must fill out a 1041 form. Click here to get your EIN receipt, okay? Well, here's the thing. Common sense tells us if you must fill out a 1041 form, then why don't they say you won't get your receipt for the EIN until you fill out the 1041 form? They don't do that. They let you click on get your receipt and never fill out the 1041 form if you don't want to, if you don't volunteer. So you don't volunteer. You never fill out a 1040. I don't fill out any tax forms for shit. You know, even my S-Corp, it's hilarious. I never filled out. Actually, I filled out the first page of the 2553 form to form the S-Corp, and they wanted shareholder information. Well, the first page has an OMB number on it, but the subsequent pages do not. And, and the first page has a signature line with the, no, with the OMB number on it. The other pages do not. So I'm not going to give information that the Office of Management and Budget didn't already approve for them to collect. And it says on there, shareholders, they want shareholders' information. Sorry, I'm not giving you their information. It's, I don't have to. And you don't have a right to ask me because there's no OMB number on this document. So I sent it in like that. And they sent it back to me and they said, uh, if you don't give us the shareholder information, you know, you're, you're not properly um, set up with the IRS and, and this is invalid. And I was like, perfect, thank you. <laughs> and I never responded because I don't want to sign up with you. Thank you very much. Now, the state could come in because it's an S-Corp and they could bust my balls and they could shut it down and let them because I don't give a shit. I, I'm, I got no legal liability in the S-Corp. Shut it down. It's broke. I don't care. You know, it's just an escort. I'll create another one tomorrow. No big deal. Now, I also have the option to dissolve that escort whenever the hell I want. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to let them dissolve it because I didn't do their stupid state reporting yearly. Screw that. They're not reporting you. They got to report shit. So they sent me a letter and they go, oh, we're going to dissolve it by September if you don't file your report. Good. Do the dis dissolution for me. You're saving me work. I don't even have to dissolve it. I love it. Dissolve it. Start another one tomorrow. Not a big deal. It only costs a couple hundred, not even a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, maybe a hundred some dollars and I'm done. So I've learned to create entities to do the work, right? So let's get back to the trust and the, and the EIN. You get the EIN to do banking and you can do banking. You get a non-interest bearing account. And you make sure you have a specific endorsement stamp set up when you deposit checks into that account. I do not like electronic deposits into that account whatsoever. I only use paper check. That's why I use the S-Corp as a front. And then the S-Corp pays the trust in a check for a separate private contract between the S-Corp and the trust. Okay, and that, that gets endorsed properly and then deposited so that it's non-taxable. All right, so again, I'm throwing a bunch of stuff at you guys. There's more to this, uh, but I'm just giving you a big overall view of how I operate and trust and why it's so powerful to stand on, all right? 
So when I started learning this and I saw this trust, and yes, I purchased it for $2,500, okay? I'm not one of these patriot people that bitch and complain about somebody charging money for their work. I don't do that. If I want it, I pay for it. How do I pay for it? I freaking work, just like everybody else. You know, I'm not looking for a free ride. I'm not trying to tap my TDA. I'm not calling myself a slave, none of that. All right? I've been there, done that, done it, not living my life that way. It's bullshit. I have a happy life because I create my reality, and I create my reality by creating. I'm not going to be afraid of the system. I'm not trying to get out of the matrix. I've done all that, and to be honest with you, it's all a fucking illusion, all of it. So why even bother, right? The key is to create your own reality outside of the illusion and use the illusion to do that because the illusion is there for you to do it with. That's how I operate, and I tell you, it works great, <laughs> you know. I, don't, I get pulled over, and police just say, have a nice day. I don't ever have a problem. Yes, I have a license. Yes, I have tags on my car. I've been down the road of traveling without the tags and the ID and having our own equipment and trust and was successful with it. But did that stop them from pulling us over, harassing us, taking our vehicles, threatening us with jail, dragging us down to the courthouse? No, it didn't. However, we want it in the end. But damn, man, that's a lot of headache. You know what? I want to I do what the elite do. I want to fly under the radar and have no liability whatsoever. And guess what? I want to use all your shit to do it. And people in the free community say, oh, no, that's dangerous. You know, you're mixing. You're commingling. Bullshit. You're not commingling if you know how to keep the lines drawn. That's the key. That's what the trust is there for. Create that barrier or one of the barriers, because you can create many, by having the trust as an interface to operate out in the world without liability. This is how these guys are doing this, okay? This is how these billionaires and these Rothschilds and Rockefellers and Kennedys, you know, that's how they're doing, okay? So I began to look at this and I went, anyway, I purchased this trust. Let me get back to that. I purchased this trust. Uh, from a guy who the trust is road tested, it's tried and true, it's been around for years. Um, and he, this guy was awesome with IRS stuff. Um, he's responsible for two major precedents against the IRS that court precedents that basically say that, you know, the court doesn't have a right to collect income tax from you um, involuntarily, okay? You got to volunteer. One was the case out of Louisiana with Tom Cryer. And this gentleman was teaching Tom Cryer, who was a attorney, and didn't believe the guy that I'm friends with that, that this was all true. And he spent years trying to disprove him. And when he couldn't, he stopped paying his own taxes. And then, you know, the IRS tried to take him to court, and he won. All right. So I got the trust from this guy. And when I paid 2500 bucks and I received the trust, and I looked at it, I went, whoa, this is different than any Patriot trust I've seen. Like, this looks like a real trust. You know, it's professional looking, it's set up right, you know, it just looks like a real trust. Just the looks, forget about the content right now. I'm just talking about what, what I felt when I originally opened up the binder and saw it. Then I started reading it and I was like, wow, this has all the elements, son of a bitch, you know. And then it hit me, hold on here. What is straw man, all right? What is it predicated on? property, the state, 
right? All these words. Estate is just another word for property. And I was like, well, wait a minute. How did that property get over to the state? Oh, that's right. I signed a contract for that as an infant. And you can contract as an infant. Don't believe all this bullshit that you can't, you know, that being a minor in a contract voids the contract because it doesn't. Okay, not in their world. You read their law books. Trust me, it does not. You can enter a contract as a minor, right, straight up. <laughs> you know, it's your problem if you reach the age of majority and you don't understand how to get out of that or whatever, but you entered it, okay? So you and your parents gave up the property, you know, mom acting as, as the uh, grantor, granting the property over, you know, dad being the, the trustee slash executor who's, who's obviously not married and wed to the mother because that would make him the executor and she wouldn't be able to get past him, so they used the maiden name. That's why, so they show her unwed, plus then the child becomes a bastard. You know, uh, it becomes an orphan under the definition of orphan. An orphan is one that has only a mother and no father. It becomes a ward of the state. You know, that whole entire bit all starts to apply. But the bottom line is you had to give property over to the state, and they gave you a certificate of interest in that property, right, called the certificate of live birth, right? Then they created this other entity out of it that has the then, and then they created trust based off of that, right, which is your corporate entity, which they gave you a birth certificate for. So there's a certificate of interest in that. See, so now you have basically, let's keep it simple, property that was given over in trust for certificates, you know, so that you could hold the certificates as a beneficiary if you ever woke up one day and realized how to take this thing back, okay, you would have your certificates of interest to show for it, all right? This, and again, I, you guys, just, there's probably a lot of people on here that'll disagree with me. That's fine. You can disagree with me all day long. I just know what I do. I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to tell you this is the golden goose. I'm not here to tell you it's a remedy. I'm just telling you what I've done and how I stand on it because I'm my own remedy. Nobody else is my remedy. You know, I've been to the the Eric John Phelps seminars. I was in the Republic of the United States. I was doing the Nation States Project, Divine Province, all this shit. Believe me, I've been around, you know, and I took a bit of information from everybody, and I used it and made my own remedy, and this is how I did it. Take from it what you will. Get your pens out. Write some stuff down if you want. You know, there's the name change thing going on now. I see that's the latest and greatest. You know, there's always the latest and greatest out there. It's, it's just like any other gimmick. It's, it's awesome. So anyhow, here's how I did it, and you can take it and make it the latest and greatest if you want. I, don't, I really don't care. I started to realize, wait a minute. If there are trusts created, number one, off of this estate and this piece of property, how do you collapse the trust? How is a trust legally collapsed? Very simple. You can go right on Wikipedia and read that, not to mention other, well, not the Wikipedia. We all know it's not, you know, a, uh, a reliable source, so to speak. However, they do have stuff on there that does align with facts, right? And this is one of them. Merger of title. When you merge the titles of trust, you collapse it, meaning when there is no longer a beneficiary and a trustee standing, right, there's only one, either the beneficiary or the trustee, it collapses because both titles have to be held in one of, the pe one of those entities. So the trustees are holding it, and there's no more beneficiaries left, and the terms of the trust say that, you know, the after the last beneficiary dies so many years, this trust will terminate. Well, the titles merge into the, the trustee or whomever, and it's, 
done. It's over. The property is released and the trust is terminated. There's other ways to terminate and, and merge title too. So I said, okay, well, that's one thing I need to figure out. How am I going to merge titles to this straw man entity when I don't even know who the hell has title? Is it me? Is it state? I got the certificate of title, which is just a certificate, but it's not the real title. Obviously, they have the title because I've got a certificate of title. I don't have title. I've only got certificates, which shows that original exists somewhere. The other thing that occurred to me is there's no statutory procedure for rescinding that uh, transaction or canceling that transaction. So there has to be a remedy for that, right? So by operation of law, I need to go to certain people in the government that are in control of this stuff and let them know that, hey, I'm interested in knowing who has title to this and I need a response. So I figured, well, that's called the administrative process, right? especially when you're dealing with commercial entities. For those of you that know how to use the administrative process, there's a lot of people that say, oh, administrative process doesn't work. Chances are you're not using it properly. Why do I say that? Because I've used the administrative process, and I can hands down swear on this because I just did an audit on all the accounts I've used the administrative process for, over 3,000 accounts, okay? And out of those 3,000, only 8% of those administrative processes failed, not because they were faulty, just simply because the attorneys on the other side didn't give a shit and they're going to break the law anyway, and I'm not going to go in for, you know, every client I have, or that's going to be like 3,000 people because I also have a business where I am the authorized representative for uh, unsecured credit card debt dispute, okay? So with that, we have, you know, somewhere roughly about 460 clients, and they bring anywhere from one to 30 accounts with them. So you multiply that, which I just did an audit. We've got like 3,000 accounts. And it's my name on my dispute that I wrote that goes out for each one of these clients. So the, the administrative process works when you know how to use it, what you're using it for. Okay, so that's called alternative dispute resolution, ADR. Okay, arbitration is alternative dispute resolution. So it dawned on me that, hey, wait a minute. I've got to do the administrative process because this is all administrative to these entities to ask them for their interest to show me their interest first in line, first in time, basic uh, law of equity and, and trust law and UCC, okay, the lien holders, all that, first in line, first in time, on this entity. If you don't have it within 30 days or give me a response rebutting each one of these facts, you're in default, right? So administrative process. So I did that, all right? Now, since I did not get a response, I said, oh, wait a minute. I better protect this thing, right? Because I don't know what's going on now. So, and I don't see any UCC liens here. So I'm going to go ahead and file UCC1, which my UCC1 is only a paragraph. It's not 80 pages like all these be your own creditor people, patriot for profit type stuff get you to do it. I've seen the UCC1s that are so ridiculous. You got to be kidding me. Um, so I did my one paragraph with the bare essentials, just like it's written up for companies and businesses, how they lean property all the time. Okay, it reads the same way, only I'm using straw man stuff in there instead of, you know, uh, asset property. So I did my UCC1. I didn't do my UCC1 to go out and claim to be a creditor. I did my UCC1 to secure commercially 
my first-in-line, first-in-time interest in this entity that was created by me, well, by the state, with my property. So I made sure I did a UCC-1 now because they didn't respond to my administrative process. So then I said, okay, well, you didn't respond to my administrative process. So not only am I going to do the UCC-1 lien, but I now have to do a common law notice and common law lien, right? So what I did was I said, well, now that you didn't respond to my administrative process and I defaulted you properly and all that stuff, and I've got UCC-1 on this thing and still no one's responding, I better let the public know. So I put a legal notice in the newspaper of the county I was born in, in case there's any legatees or you know, beneficiaries or people I don't know that have interest out in the public in this entity with my name on it, <laughs> my social security number, which you know there's nobody with interest in it, but you got to do it anyway because that's due diligence. I put that out there in the newspaper for three weeks. I gave them three weeks and three days because I like my numbers. So I gave them three weeks and three days, gave them the, you know, the address and the people to respond to, care of the trust, and it says at the bottom, no objections will cause the titles in this entity to merge, which means all trusts are collapsed in this name with this number. And I put my last four, the social, in there, right? Or, yeah, I, I put the, uh, my last social security numbers in there, whatever. So, and, and I described the property, right? How did I describe the property? I used the information on the certificate, all right? The certificate of live birth, the file number, the date, the times, you know, all that stuff so that we can, you know, there's no discrepancy here. And I put that in the newspaper where I was born in the county I was born in, and I ran it for three weeks. Now, again, does that mean the government's just going to roll over and they go, oh, look, this guy's doing all this stuff? Hell no. They're not keeping track of my shit. That's not their job. My job is to do that. All right? So what I did was, and, and granted, I, I kind of skipped the whole first step. The entire first step before the administrative process and the lien and the newspaper notice was to authenticate, most of you are familiar, authenticate it, accept and acknowledge declaration of status with a few documents, a few exhibits in there. Right? I did my declaration of status, drew it up, put it in, recorded it. Now I've got public record, it's recorded. Okay. Then I went ahead and did my administrative process because I said, hey, look, so, you know, I've claimed title to this. I've accepted and acknowledged the deed, right, because the authentication is a deed. And I've accepted and acknowledged the authentication here, signed, sealed, and delivered. It means by definition, legal definition, and I put that in my declaration, you know, legal definition of deed is any writing, signed, sealed, and delivered. Well, here's an authentication, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm accepting this title. I'm claiming it. I'm recording it in the county. doesn't matter what county in the court, so to speak, created my record. Then I went at them with the administrative process. Then I did the UCC lien. Then I said, okay, guess what, everybody? <laughs> no one's stepping up to the plate. And I gave my final notice that if y'all didn't respond, the titles were collapsed, and I am the one sole beneficiary and title holder to this entity. No one else. And that's in the newspaper. And because I am, I'm exchanging it into a private business trust for the trust to do the business of the straw man, not me, okay? And I did that, and I put it into the trust. Now the trust is holding the straw man. That's why you, I give my name. It's my first and middle name. I don't give my last name. You know why? Because I don't have authority to use it. 
trustees did not give me the authority to use that first, middle, and last name out in the public. I can only use my first and middle. I'm sure some of you can find my last name. It's not that it's not out there in some form. But I, from this point, cannot, well, from that point forward, cannot give it out. As a matter of fact, I can't even use the Social Security number and my name without specific uh, instruction and approval of the trustees, okay, because they're the ones holding the legal and equitable title to this entity. Now, this was all my theory. This was just me studying, figuring things out, going through bailment, understanding how that worked, how the <laughs> transaction of the baby went over to the state as the property and blah, 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 all that shit. This was the culmination. So my criminal case in South Carolina was pending for two years because they were fucked, basically. They didn't know what to do because they knew that they didn't have anything. Right? And a state that I, I'm not from South Carolina, I was never in South Carolina, I never set foot in there, but yet they tried to charge me with a felony. Go figure. It was because of something else I was doing that they weren't happy with, so they covertly created something in another state to take attention off of that. Anyway, it's a long story. But anyway, these charges were pending. So being that I was in Maryland at the time and they had arrested me there, okay, they extradited me to South Carolina after I fought it for five months in jail. They lost five months because I was fighting this thing, which they didn't give a shit about. Okay? They didn't give a shit about my rights and all that. I'm in a military tribunal. We all know how this works. I even knew it at the time, but I wasn't giving them shit either. <laughs> they weren't getting anything from me. I wasn't getting anything from them. But, you know, whatever. I fought the good fight. Yeah, whatever. Lost five months. Never do that again. I've got a better way to handle it now. But anyway, so I'm on bond for two years, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I start thinking, I'm done with this bond shit. This is bullshit. Why do you still have me on bond? You know, we even did an agreement that I would help them, quote, unquote, out for release, you know, for dismissing the case, which they never did because they're a bunch of liars, obviously. So the thing's still pending. The bond's still going. It's two years later. I'm sick of it. I studied all this trust stuff in the meantime, did my administrative process, did my UCC lien on, on my straw man, or not lien, but notice of lien. Remember, UCC one's not a lien. It's a notice of lien. My administrative process is the lien, okay? The contract is the lien, all right, not the, the UCC one. Anyway, so I did all that, uh, and I started thinking, how in the hell is this working? Wait a minute. When I was in shackles and chains and they drug me down the Secretary of State's office in front of the Assistant Attorney General and allowed me three witnesses, which I brought, okay, to plead my case to him and say, you send me to South Carolina, you're breaking the law, I don't give a shit what you say, because all these affidavits are bogus because they're under 1746-2, not one, so they're just garbage, they're not even affidavits, yada, 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 a whole bit. The guy laughed in my face and said, I don't give a shit what you do, okay, you're an insurance deal. All right. It's basically what he told us. He said, you got to go to South Carolina because if we don't give you to them, they could sue us. Okay. And if we want someone from them, they could play hardball. And we don't want to do that. So my mother was one of my witnesses. She said, oh, she goes, so he's, he's an insurance deal. And the guy, the attorney general, I didn't say that. Said, yeah, yes, you did. You said I'm an insurance deal. And damn if he wasn't fucking lying. I was an insurance deal. So I figured it all out. I'm like, oh, this is working off insurance. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got to insure the property that they're moving, right, that they're shipping down to the other state. They're the insurer, right? They're the surety and insurer, the whole bit with the bond, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, hmm, well, I need to pay them. I need to pay this claim off. So I took my birth certificate and I flipped it over and I turned it into a bill of exchange, a proper bill of exchange, 
for five million, you can't do any more to the treasury of the state. They can't book any more than that. So I gave them five million, and I said, "Look, this is coming from the trust, not me." So the trust sent it to probate, and I sent it to probate in the county I was living in, which was in Maryland at the time. And I said, "Look, Mr. Probate Judge," and it wasn't. I don't file shit in court, okay? I didn't start a court case like all these people talk about going to probate and start a case. And that's, hey, if you've done it and you're listening, that's awesome. For me, I'm not going into somewhere that deals with freaking child trafficking and death and trying to file something and have them tell me what the authority is because I'm the fucking authority. Sorry for the F-bombs. I'm the authority. You're not going to tell me. I'm going to tell you because I am in charge, not you. So I sent it directly to the judge, private, mailed to him. Yes, it went through the office of the clerk, but it also was addressed to the judge privately. All right, so I addressed it to him. Guy had no idea what the hell was going on. He's like, who the hell is this freak? What the hell? So you know he forwarded it to the attorney general. Well, the interesting thing is, is I put my affidavit from the executor in there, and my affidavit from the executor just laid out all the facts of my process. Fact one, fact two, fact three, fact four, fact five, all the way down. And it basically said, now, the executor has exchanged the property into private business trust and washed his hands up. I don't want anything to do with it. It's no longer mine. I don't have any interest in it. I don't want any interest in it, and I can't operate it. Now the trust is going to issue a birth certificate from that entity turned into a bill of exchange for $5 million. So I did that. So then I uh, was, it was around June. I did that in March, March 2nd, and it was June, and I was like, damn, I'm still on this freaking bond. What the hell? So I said, I'm going to look this case up, because they made me hire an attorney when I was in South Carolina just to get out of there. And after five months of losing my entire life, everything I owned, my son and all that, I didn't give a shit. Give me an attorney. I'm getting the hell out of here. I want to go home, because they had me on an ankle bracelet. They wouldn't let me leave the state. And I don't know anybody in South Carolina, so it was tough times for two months, you know? So I was like, get me out of here. I don't care. I borrowed five grand. I got out of there. So I got out. And uh, so this attorney, bless his heart, he was worthless. I was like, why am I still on this bond? You need to put in the motion to dismiss like we discussed two years ago. I'm pissed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll do that right away. Well, three months or I'm sorry, three weeks went by. So I said, I'm going to look at my case. Now, this was June. Remember, I had sent my shit to the probate judge and never heard a word, never heard a word. The probate judge, three months went by. I said, I'm going to look up my case. And I looked up my case and the case was dismissed. Why was my case dismissed? How come my attorney didn't say it was dismissed? Because I looked at the date and I'm like, this thing was dismissed on March 4th. It's June, and I just talked to my attorney three weeks ago. He didn't say anything about the case being dismissed. Actually, he was all stumbled and, you know, stuttering because I was busting his balls about not getting it dismissed. So I called the bond company. I said, hey, you know, I'm calling for my weekly call to let you know I'm still here. But the funny thing is, you know, my case was dismissed three months ago, right? And the woman's like, uh, no, that doesn't happen because we're notified immediately. I said, well, you Better check. She goes, well, hang on. Let me pull it up. And she pulls it up while I'm on the phone. She goes, holy shit. That's weird. I'm like, sure is. I said, and the judge signing off on it's the attorney general, not the judge. And she's like, uh, hey, you're free to go. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's cool. Good for you. You know, I'm like, all right, thank you. Hang up. 
and it didn't even dawn on me, when the hell did I send that birth certificate in? Oh, shit, let me look at the dates. And I went back and looked at the dates, and it was two days prior to the case being dismissed. All right? And guess who dismissed it? The attorney general. Well, guess who got my paperwork? Not the judge. Yeah, the judge did, but he forwarded it to the attorney general, and I know that because I got a letter from the attorney general at a later time. That's another part of the story. All right? So what did I do there? Why did they dismiss that bond and the case? Because I settled the insurance claim. Not me. The trust did. The trust was like, hey, we got interest in this. And the trust is fully solvent with $21 in silver. Guess what? Trust owns a straw man. So you go right ahead. You take care of whatever charges. Just go ahead and tap that account. Here's $5 million for you. Whatever it takes. And it went away. Now, I didn't even believe it because I don't want to run out there and go start this trend in Patriot land that I've got the key and the remedy and all this crap. So I didn't. I didn't say anything for months until I was talking to my UCC guy who's really freaking good. And I say he's really good because he got himself and eight other guys out of prison on a 20-year sentence. It took him 13 years to study this stuff, and he got everybody out using nothing but UCC and um, bill of exchange on his charging instrument. That's how he got them out. So I was going over with him and I said, yeah, man, you know, I don't really believe this. I said, but it's awfully interesting that I I sent that bill of exchange and I never heard a word. No one ever called me to tell me that security's fraud or anything, or they never sent me a letter. I didn't hear shit. But all of a sudden, three months later, my case is dismissed and it's two days after they received my paperwork. And he said, well, you know how you can tie that together to see if if that actually happened, he said, you had, you had a co-defendant, right? I said, yeah, I had a co-defendant. He said, well, because of his knowledge of how the court works in the UCC, he said, you know, every time there's a court case, and a lot of you may know this, it's not a court case, it's an account. They just open an account. Now they're doing business, transacting in the account. That's why all these people that go in and fight in these courts, I just laugh. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going into a bank, and you're funding the bank every time you go in there and put some paperwork in. I mean, it's all you're doing. You know, you're not getting justice. You're not using their law against them. I mean, that's hilarious, you know. That's like walking up to a tank and trying to, you know, grab the gun on it and turn it inside itself. It's not going to (laughs) happen. So he said they're accounts, and they're sub-accounts for your co-defendants. Now, just like in banking, if you have one account and you have other account holders or sub-accounts of that account and you discharge the main account, the sub-accounts get discharged too. So he said check. The file numbers, the case numbers, if his case number is exactly the same with a few numbers different on the, on the front or the back, you know, which is, is just showing you that it's a sub-account, and his was dismissed <coughs> on the same day, I guarantee you it's that certificate that did it because that's how this shit works. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So I did. I went online. I checked my co-defendant's case, and sure enough, it was dismissed. So that's when things really started to connect with me as far as this trust and and how and, and then I I went outside of that, right? It really started to connect on how I could use this trust um, outside the box as well as in the box, meaning, you know, how to transact business in a day-to-day life using the trust the right way, you know? And it is possible and it can be done. You just have to start really, you know, stop listening to all the bullshit and take in what really resonates with you and then you can set up a trust and operate. You don't need to be with another group. I mean, if you want to, you can, 
But you don't need to be with, you know, have somebody come in and, and save you because there is no savior outside yourself. You create the trust. You let the trust operate. Now, I won't get into the mechanics of it because that's what I do on my site. Yes, I charge people for it. So if you want to bitch that freedom should be free, that's fine. It is free. But my work is not because I don't go build houses and go, here, I'm just going to build that for free. I don't do that. You know, yeah, you, you have a right to live in a house all you want. But if I'm going to build it for you, I also have a right to be compensated because a workman is worthy of his hire. You know, so that's why I charge. And you'll find I don't charge an astronomical amount. The trust is the same price it is as I bought it. You know, I had to pay 2500 So does everybody else. And if you really know these trusts, you know that, number one, an attorney can't even draw them up because they don't understand how private trust works. And number two, if you did go to an attorney for any sort of trust, you're paying at least five to ten grand. Five on the very low end. And the other problem with that is once you buy the trust, guess what? It's worthless because if you don't know how to operate it, then you got to pay the attorney to operate it, and you can't trust him as far as you can throw him. So you're much better off saving up 2,500 bones, paying for it, and then on my site, which is not completed yet, but I'm going to be teaching people and offering how you operate this trust based off of my own experience and how I'm operating the trust every day. You know, so hopefully I'll experience pitfalls before I'm able to turn any information out loose on people that are, are learning to operate. Right? So then we start doing it together. Right? So now, if I get people, I keep everybody close to me that purchases a trust. They all you know, become close to me, and I keep everybody that wants to be involved so that we can start operating together, okay? just like the big wealthy people do and the elite. The reason they freaking get us every time is because we don't know how to unify. I mean, let's look at the facts here. So I'm trying to keep everybody close and unify and use the trust the way they're supposed to be used to do private business and operate every day. That opens up a whole new world of possibilities. I mean, a ton of possibilities. You know, if we want, we can create a master trust, and we can all have a, a trust that goes underneath the master trust. Now, remember, you can take the same trust that I have once if you purchase it, and you can duplicate it 8,000 times if you want for nothing. You know, it's up to you. I, that's what I do. I duplicate this trust every time I want to set up another trust for another purpose. I just change the purpose and intent. I change the, you know, what the trustees are to do, and boom, I'm off and running with a completely different trust for another purpose, okay? Um, so it's really powerful, and I know people are probably saying, oh, $2,500, this guy just wants the money. That's fine. You can believe whatever you want. Um, I do know that uh, if, I can, if I can bring the price down, and mass produce it accurately. That's the problem is mass producing things like trust and they're not accurate. You know, I don't want to put out anything that's not accurate for somebody and, you know, shit happens, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to consciously do that. Um, then I'll drop it. But as at the moment, I can't do that. Uh, but anyhow, I want to offer my services and what I do. And, and again, you're more than welcome to visit the site, which is, Truth and the letter N, trust.org. And you can see what's on there. It's my administrative process, my whole birth certificate process, all that stuff. That's really what you're going to find on there. You won't find much about the trust yet other than you can uh, make a deposit to pay for the trust, and then I'll start working with you closely on it. But it's all my administrative process. And, again, there's a fee for that. It's very minimal. 
you know, from authentication all the way up through notice and all that is, is 200 bucks. I mean, it's not a huge deal. And you can pay that in increments. You don't have to pay the whole thing. So what I did was I broke down the declaration of status, recording, all that stuff, authentication, and that's one fee of like 92 bucks, you know, and you can pay it in three payments. And then there's uh, once you get through that and you're ready for the administrative process to notify the president, the secretary of treasury, and the attorney general, the governor, and, and the um, secretary of state for your birth date, that's a separate 90-some dollar fee. You know, but this takes time. Everything takes time. But I've got videos up there on how you do it, how you fill out your paperwork, what you do. The paperwork templates are there for you to take and put your information in, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I really, really want to get people involved that are serious, that do their homework, that are, you know, go-getters by nature, you know, that really want to operate and live as freely as possible. And the way to live Free is to have a trust and own nothing, okay? Now, you can set these trusts up in a way that the elite do with an LLC and another trust, and you can lean the assets against the LLC, okay? So now you've got double protection. I use an S-Corp, and I, do not, I don't do something similar. I actually function with the S-Corp, which creates the quote-unquote income, which actually can't even be labeled income. It just gets paid for its services. Doesn't become in, for those of you that don't understand how corporations work um, or sole proprietorships, which is also a corporation. They're pass-throughs, so you you don't get taxed. It's not income until you take that money and pass it through to the shareholders or the members, okay? Or the you know the sole proprietor passes it from him from the business to his estate, kind of thing, right? Then now it's income. So there's a way to transact business between the trust and the S-Corp that eliminates all that, okay? There is no income because of the way you pass the money around. This is all about how you move money. Keeping money and, not, and avoiding tax is not about how you hide it. It's about how you move it and where you move it to and what you move it to. That's how you do it. And, of course, we all know it's not money anyway, and hopefully they put us back on the gold standard here and all that. But even still, I don't, I don't know. I got my reservations about that whole, whole bit. But um, anyway, I just wanted to uh, enlighten everyone and go over some, some basic stuff on trust and how I found a creative way to use it. And, man, I hope you guys, even if you don't purchase a trust from me, go out and seek and understand private business trust, common law trust, Make sure you know all the aspects of it before you purchase one because if it's not set up right, it will fail. And the only way it's going to fail is if you don't know how to operate it, number one, not the only way, but one of the main ways is if you don't know how to operate it. I could sell you a trust all day long and it ain't worth shit because you don't know how to operate it, which is why I want to offer education so that I know that the people that are coming to me are also learning how to use it, and I didn't just sell them something so they could run out in the street and, you know, I got a trust, but it doesn't do anything. You know, my mother had two of them. They just sit there. And I looked at them, and I was like, I'm glad they're sitting there because they're faulty. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, I appreciate everybody for, for listening. And, and Brian, I mean, if you want to ask questions, and I can take questions at this time. I'm sure I threw out so much information that, you know, people are probably like, uh, yeah, I got a few questions. <laughs> So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, we could do that. Um I I wanted to address something too. Is, you know, people see 2500 and they're like, "Oh my god, 
even though they don't realize at the end of the day that that is just a drop in the bucket compared to the savings that they're going to have, uh, not just financially, but through hassle things through life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and you know, at the same time, I want to say, hey, this is all about, you know, everybody's like, oh, operating commerce, da, 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 this is all evil. You know, this is your way of stepping away from that and letting the mm-hmm. trust take care of it. And that way, you know, you've put another layer of protection right there in between you and that so-called evil commerce word, you know, that people like to throw around. But nope, that's, we, that's why the elite do it. Right. Well, and we had talked about uh, last week about maybe even doing, because there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be known with a trust, not just how to write it up and set it up, but how to operate it and what the different aspects of it are. And um, so we, we had kicked around last week the idea of maybe, say, you could do uh, 13, 14 different um, of your webinars where, say, maybe it's $200 a pop. Yeah. But at, well, at the end, of, yeah, so you're kind of saving your money. It's forcing you to save your money and invest into the trust. And at the end of it, boom, you've paid for it, and now you also have all the knowledge to go with it. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to do um, on my site, which just so everybody knows, I'm getting ready to work on uh, setting up that same thing. So if I do webinars and stuff, they will, I will also be offering them for people that didn't attend the webinar, and they can sign up on the site, and it'll be like a, a monthly fee, but it'll be constant ongoing access to the education and me updating and me putting more and more education and sharing. And, you know, at that point, if you become a member on the site and you're, you're taking the classes, I'll do conference calls with people that are signed up for free. I don't, you know, I'm not going to charge anybody at that point. But, yeah, we had talked about that, and that's really what, what I want to do. My, my passion is teaching, you know, and, and I'm very good at this stuff. I, I was a carpenter, man. I naturally, naturally fell into this. I was beating up judges and attorneys six years ago, you know, and having judges run off the bench and hide in the back of the courtroom, you know, and having marshals back off me eight deep, you know, who couldn't touch me. So I, know, I do know what I'm doing, but my passion was always to do it to show everyone that there's another way. There is another way. But we got well, to be yeah. educated. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I wanted to say something because earlier – you talked about being a creator and creating your own reality. And, <clears throat> excuse me, all these people talk about, oh, I'm sovereign. I was created in the image of the sovereign God. That makes me sovereign. Da, da. Well, you know what? You were created in the image of your creator. What did your creator do? He created. So what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to be a creator. Now tell me, what have you created lately? The best right. thing for you to create is to create your reality. Yep. And that's what I did. And, and I'm glad you said that because, again, I, you know, how I got involved in the debt business thing was I got out of jail and I was broken, man. I mean, broken emotionally, spiritually, you know, physically, financially. And some angel came out of nowhere and offered me a job where she had taken the administrative process by some attorney that got rid of his bar card because he figured all this out too and was pissed at the system. So he gave her administrative process, and she was disputing debt. She hired me, and I wound up running her. This was all by chance, right? But it was because of the fact that I was not afraid to step into 
things that I had never done before or, you know, I just knew that whatever I'm doing, I'm creating tomorrow. So she gave me the job. I went up running her business. I left her because her affiliates wanted me to write an administrative process for them so they could start a business, and that's what I did because I know how to write the administrative process. I've done it a million times, so I did. And just like you said, I've been creating my reality ever since. You know, people go, oh, do you have access to your TDA? How are you living? No, I created a business and I work. <laughs> now, well, do I work nine to five? Hell no. I'm on the beach when I want to be. I'm traveling when I want to be because I'm in charge, not the work. That's yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I, I put in maybe 15 hours or a little more than that a week into a real job, but <laughs> right. It's just about learning how to manage your life. And yeah. if anybody also wants to look at Truth and Trust, the website, it's posted in the event link at Tactical Sovereignty. You can go there, and there's a link where you can go to Truth and Trust, look at everything that's offered there. And I would really love to see um, some, you know, like I said, 10, 15 classes or whatever set up for all this. So people can do this in increments, learn at the same time. And also at this time, I've got a lot of people on the call tonight, a lot of people. So I really don't want to unmute everybody. But if you have a question, you can put your hand up by hitting star eight. Um, I believe that's the talk show link for a question. And I'll take like three questions here, I think, uh, because he's really given everybody a ton of info. And I'll reshare the link for this call later on, and people can review it again. I'll probably even listen to it again. Um, as he really does tie everything up uh, very correctly, very succinctly. And all right, we've got a couple of hands up. I've got an East Michigan, and I will unmute you. How are you doing, East Michigan? Hi, Brian. It's Jody. Um, I'm sorry. I This is just very basic. I got on the call about 10, 15 minutes late. I didn't catch this guy's name. And is his website, is it truth, the letter N, and then trust.org? Is that correct? Yes, you got it. And I just go by my first and middle name, Robert Michael. I don't give out my last name. Okay, that's, uh, so that's fine. How, that's that's how you know me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. I just had no idea who you were, and I've never heard you before. So um, I'm very happy to, to hear about this uh, information. I know it's something that I need to, to study and get into because I had an issue with the uh, the probate um, court being the word of the state and all that, and then they were recently – I got out of it after three and a half years of studying, but I, I, I got to do the financial part, the trust part, all that – and they recently tried to get me back into that system again. So, um, yeah, I, I got to do something here. But, listen, thank you for the info. And I'm sorry I got on late. And thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm done. I yield. All right. Uh, you're hey, absolutely Brian, welcome. Can I and, say something to that real quick? Because she brought something up um, that, I, that I wanted everybody to know. You know, if you're in some sort of, quote, unquote, legal predicament, you know, you can't hurry up and throw everything into a trust and have it go away. That It's not going to work. The idea here is preemptive. The idea here is to construct a fortress before shit happens. Because now, once shit happens, you've done all your due diligence prior. And you can go, wait a minute. 
who are you speaking to? No, 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 no. We've got a difference in these, these names and entities and who owns what. So we're going to have to have you clarify a few things. Now you've got all the records if you did the, the authentication, declaration, the status records, you know, all that. you got it all and then moved it into the trust. Trust has all the records. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, you know, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I've got people obviously all the time contacting me at 11 p.m. or 7 a.m. saying I've got court at 8:30. What do I do? And my 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 response is, why didn't you contact me a month ago when this happened? But anyway, everything that well bend over because that's yeah. Every everything that I show that I study in tactical sovereignty that I post there is all preemptive stuff. You know, uh, prevention is worth what they say a pound of cure. You know, and so everything I did was preemptive. Fortunately, through my studies, I was able to research things without having an axe hanging over my head. I didn't have anything facing me, so I was just freely able to go in and research how everything was constructed, how the government was constructed, how law was constructed, and how we are sucked in, and what is the nexus between us and them. And yeah. and then, because of knowing that, then I was able to put things in place for layers of protection, just like Robert talked about. Um, all right, we've got East Louisiana. Oh, I'll mute you. How are you doing, East Louisiana? Hi, my name is Erin. Um, I'm retired from the military, but I still live on a military installation. Is that something that you take into consideration with your process? Uh, with the birth certificate process? Yeah, the trust and just doing everything well, that needs to be done. Yeah, the trust can be used by anybody, you know, for at any time, you don't, the, the birth certificate thing and all that I did was my own creation, my own process of kind of going back to the root of all evil, so to speak, and handling it. Um, but if you're currently in the military and you're, no, you're still no. active. Oh, okay. Not you're not retired. Active. Yeah. If you're retired, are you still receiving benefits from them? Correct. Okay. So, again, once you're in the military, obviously you're their property. Right. But you retired. Right. So you can, in my opinion, I don't think anything's impossible. And if I was in the military and I was retired, I wasn't active duty, I would say, yeah, you know what? That's what I'm doing with my estate here. Any questions? <laughs> you know, Because what you're doing, if you're going to do the birth certificate thing, the administrative process, you're saying, hey, I'm letting you know that I'm doing this and you have a duty to respond to me and tell me that I'm not allowed to do it or that it's illegal or that this is inaccurate or that you have interest in this entity. So it doesn't matter military or not, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're inactive, then I would definitely say, yeah, why? Absolutely. Why not? You know, because it's all predicated on jurisdiction and I use, and just so everybody knows, I use the divine creator as the source of my jurisdiction. Everything I do is based in divine. All right, that's first. Then I use that because of that, the divine creator has given me divine providence. I can use it however I want because I'm the trustee. I'm holding it. So I can use, and when I say trustee, I don't mean over the straw man. Let's forget all that for the moment. We're talking about the earth. You know, 
I'm a steward of the earth, but I'm also a beneficiary at the same time. You know, so I use these principles, and yeah, and they're powerful. Anybody, everybody has a right to do that. It's your God-given right. You know, so I would say yeah to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, just to follow up, um, I totally believe that, um, you know, I am, you know, the boss. I am the creator. I am in charge of my own, you know, entity. But keeping in mind that um, the jurisdiction side of, you know, I, I just think that's an aspect that um I'm trying to figure out not just for my own sake, but to also pass that information on to others, you know, who are also dealing with um, receiving benefits or which I'm totally um, willing to, to cut off if, if, you know, things work out like I want to. I mean, I totally get all that, but just to understand the jurisdiction aspect and how to separate myself from the military side. Right. Well, I commend you already for, you know, having that attitude that you are the supreme, because you are, and so am I. And you know what? There's no one above me, okay? And there's no one below me, but there are equals, and you're my equal, right? That's first. So that's awesome, because you got that going on. That's how I also feel. Um, The other thing is if you're receiving a benefit from the government, you know, it could be Social Security, it could be your military benefits, it's not you receiving it. Because remember, they couldn't interact with you. It's your estate anyway. So there should be no reason why the estate can't keep receiving that. You know? So that's, that's how I look at it. I go, well, well, hold on a minute. I gave my life as surety to do your business. So you're damn right my estate is entitled to that benefit. <laughs> not right. me, though. It's my estate, not me. Right. So once we draw Thank the line, yeah, we got a lot more going on. And jurisdiction, a lot of people make it really, really hard, you know, but your, your golden goose for that is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17, right? They shall only have exclusive legislation over the 10-mile square of Washington, D.C., the, the military bases and land and stuff, you know, whatever in each state is ceded to the federal government by the legislature of that state. Nine times out of ten, if they're busting your door down with the FBI or some federal agency, that land's not ceded to them. So how the hell did they legislate law to control over it? Oh, we've got a problem now. That's called the federal zone, and they're not allowed outside of it. That's where people go wrong. And then we start talking like a bunch of bumbling idiots. Well, let me give you all my information because I'm scared. Here, sign where? I'll sign. My name is. <laughs> you just shot everything in the foot because you became a, a chicken, you know? Don't chicken out. You get no name. You get no information until I speak with counsel. Not an attorney. Counsel. Who's your counsel? None of your business. But until (laughs) I speak with him or her, you don't get any information. Is there a problem with that? Good. You taking me in? Fine. Do what you got to do. But I'm not signing nothing, and you're not getting named. My name is John Doe. And guess what? (laughs) They have trouble booking John Doe. They have a lot of trouble booking John Doe. Like, to the point to where John Doe may sit in jail for three, maybe up to 30 days, but eventually John Doe doesn't get any charges because John Doe doesn't have an account. <laughs> so keep your mouth shut. Don't give information. Voluntary. So anyway, that's, yeah, that's all I got. Does that, co- <laughs> that cover stuff for you, Aaron? Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, that was actually welcome. Hey, cool. I'm going to meet you back out. And, you know, I just want to say uh, one of the things that really we didn't identify uh, in this call was that everything is being operated in trust. Everything within the current um, corporate system is all based on trust. And, you know, they didn't dream this up on their own. This came from the creation. This came from the point where we were created by our creator. Everything around us was created, and we were supposed to be the trustees of the land, and the beneficiaries was supposed to be the land, the animals, the other people, and we were beneficiaries of those other people as well. And what they've done is they've totally reversed roles, and they've gone and placed their butt on the seat of the Most High as being head of the trust and also beneficiary and making us perform or be under compelled performance for them. It's all been just totally mimicked. They didn't dream up anything new. If you think they dreamed up something new, go to Title I and read Title I, how they set everything up. And while you're reading Title I, have Genesis I sitting right in front of you because they parallel each other. They directly parallel each other. Um, let me see if somebody else has a hand up. And if not, I wouldn't be surprised because there's a lot of great information and a lot to digest this evening. And like I said, people can go back and check things out. Uh, somebody that's been on the call since the very beginning has put their hand up. Uh, they go by Trippin. So Trippin, let's trip with you. How you doing, Trippin? Hi, it's Paula. I have a question. Um, being a woman and, and entering to these things, you haven't said anything, Robert, about um, trademark and copyright. So, like when I get when I get things, I have proper I have property, and I get things from the county that has my all caps last name, and then you know, uh, cap and then small letter first name and then I get things like from my insurance that have that give me a t- the title of Mrs. So since you hadn't said anything about trademark and copyright I wondered if that that plays at all into your program and thank you very much for the question. Oh you're welcome. Yeah I mean they use all different kind of signifiers you know remember the the uh, upper lowercase name with the middle initial is the nom de guerre, the name of Ward, you know. Then they have the all uppercase name, that's the original uh, straw man, so to speak, entity. Then you have the upper and lowercase uh, name, which, you know, is the original property that was given over. I mean, there's just all, all kinds of stuff. I never did, and I, I don't, I'm not necessarily poo-pooing the trademark and copyright of the name stuff. Again, that to me was all just the latest trends in the, in the freedom community. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people use it effectively, you know, so I, I'm not going to say that it's, it uh, isn't effective. It's just not something I particularly care to, to follow. Um, well, I always, when you, can, go ahead. Can, I, can I ask a follow-up? Because um, sure, yeah. of what you just said. Um, does having this overarching, if you will, is what I'm calling it, um, trust built, once everything goes in there, um, does it not matter maybe less? No, it doesn't because the trust is going to show that it has interest in that, in that entity, that name, whatever's attached to it. Uh, That's I what follow. you're doing. Okay. 
Okay, you're yeah. putting a record to show that you did your due diligence, which is putting in equity, right? So in order to right. get equity, you've got to give equity. So you're doing your due diligence, you're doing your due equity to show that whatever's in that name that's attached to that number, because that's mm-hmm. another key. You know, when I always reference the name, I make sure that I'm referencing that number with it because they have to have the number. So when that name is attached to that number, that is not owned by me, and I don't have a right to operate it. And neither do gotcha. you. Gotcha. Know, you know what? Because we're cutting you off kind of thing. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Robert. Uh, one more thing. I'm just just reflecting mm-hmm. on some of the things that you said about merger mm-hmm. and about um, about giving notice and merger with the number. And it seems to me that um, that just coming together in my head just this moment um, <laughs> really would put a lot of what was uh, talked about in the trademark and copyright um, area to rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I see my okay. whole thing. Thanks. Awesome. Want, you're, you're welcome. I wanted to take this as simple to the root. Now, I know it doesn't sound simple, but for me, I had to strip it down to the root, man. What are the basics? What is actually going on here? You know, we're dealing with property and titles. And how do we take control of that and then get rid of it? Because I don't want anything to do it. I'm so done with it, you know? So that's where I, I really started putting all my research and experience and things that I saw working. You know, I started using the elements that worked every time and put them all together. And mind mm-hmm. you, you know, I didn't get to tell this, this story, but a friend of mine, the IRS came after him uh, for something like a hundred grand or whatever, and he had just gotten out of jail because some one of these patriot gurus told him to file a non-UCC on his on his foreclosure, and they arrested him, right? Paper terrorism, all that stuff. So he got out. He didn't want anything to do with it anymore. He paid an attorney. He was just sick of it all. He spent years in it. He was broke, had no money. Now the IRS was alerted, so they're coming after him. Fortunately for him, he did that whole process I was just telling everybody about with the notice and the acceptance of the deed and the straw man and all that stuff. And, and I said, your last step is to put it into the trust. He's like, but I don't have it in the trust yet. I'm like, I don't care. We're going to set up a trust, and we're going to do it uh, while we're notifying them that we're doing it. But you're going to write a letter or an affidavit from the executor to the judge of the IRS court, and you're going to let him know that as the executor, you put this into the trust, this entity, and it's no longer your business. And he did that, okay? And the next day, the IRS called him and said, have a nice day, case dismissed. <laughs> and you know how many points are on that affidavit? Eight. There was no more than eight points on that. That's it. And I've seen people do all this crazy paperwork and all this shit, and I'm like, why? Why? You're just playing the game. If you attack the root of the problem, what, is, what did they have? See, you're not good standing out. That's what you're doing. You know, standing. Think about it. You're standing. You want to knock them off their footing. Boom. Okay, now I'm standing. Now what? You know, who's the bully in the yard? You know, you want to be a bully? Well, if I knock you off your feet, you're not going to be so much of a bully anymore, are you? You know, and that's all I see how it works. I'm not saying it's going to work every time, but maybe it does. You know, but the the couple times I've used it, it seemed to work, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. (laughs) Well, I, I, I I think standing really comes down to who's trying to take care of their property. And so far, the majority of people haven't done jack squat to take care of their property until right. they get in trouble and then they start calling us, like I said, at 11 o'clock to 7.30 in the morning. And yeah. you have to do, you have to enact some preventive medicine to start taking care of your property 
pulling up your pants and being a big boy and taking care of things. Otherwise, you're going to get thrown into somebody else's sandbox where they're going to take care of you. Yep. Got to do your due diligence, and you have to be preemptive, man. You don't want to, you know, you want to create an offense, right? So that way, when it comes time for defense, you've already done your homework. Easy. You just pull your records out. And, you know, and here's another thing, Brian, that I want to say to everybody. When I, did, when I recorded all of my documents, so I was creating my records, that's the other part of my research that I relied on. Wait a minute. Best evidence. Okay, best evidence. If I've got um, my, my oath on these things under uh, 28 U.S.C. 1746-1, which shows I'm under the laws of the United States of America without the United States. They all have those oaths. Okay, I've got that. And then I also got authenticated copies of the court record from the Secretary of State of the court that I recorded them in. I've got the best evidence because there's no one in the state that can swear to anything. They're all fiction. They can't swear to anything, and they can't use 1746-1. They have to use 1746-2, which really is meaningless. It's nothing. It's not even an oath. You know? So you now have best evidence. So if anybody comes at me, wait a minute. I've got authentic copies of the original record. What do you got? Oh, we've got record. Of, oh, really? Are you going to swear that that's an original copy of the record that you're getting from your agency? Well, go ahead and swear to that for me. They'll never do that. Shit. They're scared enough to swear to anything. They can't. So now you've got a whole set of records. That's best evidence. I mean, that's how I roll. I'm, again, I don't want to make it sound like it's a remedy, but that's how I roll. I'm like, hey, you want to go, you know, evidence for evidence? Not a problem. I've got a whole stack of it in my safe. What do you want? <laughs> Well, you know, especially if they're being held a personal liability. And this concept, this idea can all be tied right into the whole problem with vaccinating your children and those issues. This is all intertwined. People don't realize it. This is a broad sweeping thing. But anyway, it's it's been a great call. Um, and like I try and say on every call, you've got to learn where you're really at, where you're really from, and who you really are. Because yep. that's really the only thing that is going to lead you in the right direction and put you steps way further ahead than the average people. Um, I'll end the call, but I'll leave the line open if people want to chat, Robert wants to stay, and things like that. Uh, feel free. Otherwise, yeah. until next Sunday. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.